Hi, this is Runa and you're listening to the Chainsmakers podcast where we share tips, insight, tools and stories from other Chainsmakers designed to motivate you to become the change you want to see in your world. Make sure you join our Chainsmakers community at runamagnus.com forward slash podcast. And now, this is your time to sit back, relax and enjoy. Nick Jankel is an award-winning thought leader, author and professional speaker. He has advised organizations like Number 10, Downing Street, Kellogg's, HSBC, Microsoft and WWF. He has been invited to speak at the precious Aspen Ideas Festival, TEDx and Google headquarters. A former elite scientist and a medic, Nick brings the latest science into his work. Cognitive, behavioral, emotional, interceptors, he blends it with timeless wisdom and uber practical tools for change. He has spent 30 years developing an advanced brain-based transformational methodology called the Switch On Way, which provides a rigorous and proven pathway for unleashing transformation in any area of leadership or life. It provides individuals and leaders with 90 plus powerful tools and practices to master themselves. I simply had to get Nick as a guest on the Chainsmakers podcast to find out what made him go this way. What triggered him? What, how is his spiritual and professional and, well, basically his life turned out to be? He shares this all in this very special episode, which I am super excited to share to the world. Ladies and gentlemen, let's listen to Nick Jankel and his beautiful way of leaving in the box that was no longer serving him. Nick, I am so super thrilled to have you as a guest on our Changemakers podcast. can't tell you how excited I am for our audience to know more about Nick Jenkel and what you are doing into this world. The transformation that you stand for, the, the, the work that you do is so profound. Can you tell me and our audience, how did this whole thing start for you? Ah, oh, wow. That's a huge question. I'll try and give you the small answer. Many strands. So I was brought up to be furiously interested in social justice and changing the outside world and charity and doing the right thing and writing letters for Amnesty International when I was six. And then I wanted to be a doctor and that kind of brought some other part of it in changing people to be a psychiatrist and I wanted to help people's mental health. Long story short, many strange avenues and I ended up work, sort of having an epiphany and multiple epiphanies. And the two pretty big ones which have guided everything since then is Epiphany one is we must dedicate our lives to transforming our part of the world, whatever the right bit for us, whatever our purpose brings us into, which is very much our relationship to the whole small, big, doesn't matter really as long as that's our only job is to bring of service. And the second epiphany is you can't do that unless you are fully engaged in your own transformation to become as clear and free and open and creative and, and connected and collaborative as possible. In other words, personal development and world development are not two different categories that people like to separate in different books. There's the social change books and here's the personal spiritual change books. That's one thing and it can only ever be one thing. And the problem becomes when we don't have it as one thing. Mm. 
And you now call that transformational leadership or um, wisdom entrepreneurship or psycho-spiritual entrepreneurship, whatever you want to call it. That's my kind of life's work is to connect those two and make them super clear that they're one, they're one movement internal out out back inside back inside and that's so that's kind of the the nutshell that's that's, that's yeah i agree with you I, I agree with you and actually when you're saying this i'm thinking why on earth do we think anything different right right because it goes yeah. in a different yeah. category in the bookshop and it goes in a different lecture series at the university exactly <laughs> i see this as a box at the moment it's definitely a box it's a box that needs to be dissolved because it's it's getting in the way the reason actually why i now have decided to publish my own books is because the publishers that i work with have worked with in the past want me to write either a personal help book self-help book or a social change book and i'm like yeah but i want to write books that do both of those things they're like sorry we can't handle that so i'm like okay got to disrupt the industry another industry yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah 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 and isn't that exactly what's going on in the world this refusal to go into the the old paradigm of doing or thinking or working or Mm. or that yeah that whole thing that it's just becoming you can really feel as it's becoming hey i just want to be me and that includes whatever it is that i am i think it's actually Um, an issue with i think both camps the sort of personal development self-help camp yeah spend too much time in their own bubble yeah. and then the people who change in the world don't spend enough time looking at themselves and understanding their role in everything. And the good news is the bright sunshine is the younger the people I work with are mm-hmm. in the general, the less they have that divide and the more they want to talk about deep spiritual philosophy one minute. And then how do I create a business model to scale my idea the next moment? And I love that. I love the dance yeah. between inner outer to see already some virtuosity in that in younger generations is extremely inspiring and that is actually quite an interesting question how do you do that how do you actually do both yeah that's where i work at it necessitates a constant dialogue between what i'm just making decisions on that go out there that way Mm. and where the source of that decision making is coming from and is it coming from my need for something my desire anger frustration or is it coming from a deep understanding of purpose and for me purpose is some form of love so if we can feel love but also get stuff done that make a difference for other people that's the kind of the thing and i know how easy it is to get caught up too much in my own personal development and become narcissistically interested in my own breakthroughs i also know very clearly what it's like if you go fully out to change the world and don't have any understanding of your own contribution to the problem and your own leadership issues that then block the beautifulness in you from coming out effectively because it's it's distorted by all your own needs and it's the life's great challenge how do you lead the world but coming from deep within yeah exactly and that is something that i think that is so beautiful because you do see people that can do that and when you're saying this it sounds to me like you've gone through a lot of self-talk and self-realization for yourself, understanding that deep love that you had and that deep purpose that you felt you know, in, in your process. Can you share with us maybe the, the obstacles, the challenges that you had to go through in order to 
it feels to me like I want to say accept that mm. that was actually yeah because what mm-hmm. I often feel is like there is something knocking on our door mm-hmm. again and again and we ignore it we thought no mm-hmm. no no that's mm-hmm. not me or or no that I don't have time or whatever but it's knocking and it sounds when you're saying that that was the feeling that I got it's a knock I mean there's there were so many boundaries and barriers yeah. and in fact one of the things I I try and teach people is getting something isn't the challenge letting go of the old stuff that blocks the new thing is the challenge, the irony. Uh, the surrender is much harder than the getting. And it's the Western thought that we have to go and get something. Actually, if you let go, it, the, what you really wanted is, is just ready to come, to come up. So the difficult bit is letting go. And I guess a couple of things come to mind, which I relate in, in this book. One is my own neuroses and my own self-doubt coming from being bullied and coming from divorce and coming from my own traumas of disconnection. And I was the fat kid at school. I was, the gla- I was like the guy who wore glasses, was fat, and wanted to be liked, and wasn't. So that was like, that's a whole lifetime's journey in its own right. Because to be on stage, to write books, to, to be in keynotes, you have to be unafraid of not being liked. And to do this kind of work, you provoke people, you push people's patterning, the box. And if you are worried about them, coming back at you, then you can't do this work. So that was one entire long journey of healing of myself. But I always knew it wasn't just for me. It was for the work. It was for my purpose work, which is amazing to hook the two together. Um, And then the second big one, uh, which really is the core of this idea of spiritual atheism, was I had to let go of being an old-fashioned atheist which is what I was brought up to be in my culture in England and, and in New York where I've lived in LA amongst the clever people, spirituality is, is, is seen as just really rubbish, you know, like nonsense, which I don't think the new age movement has, has helped itself with in a lot of places, but I had that belief inside me. And that was the biggest, I had to fully let go and then find a way to be both a science and reason lover, which I am but also fully attuned to my own spiritual experience. I, I, this word spiritual doesn't even I mean, make the right, it's not really the right word, but I, that was the biggest thing. That was the biggest barrier for me was understanding my nature as a being of love and a being of connection, because that doesn't make sense to a, someone who goes to Cambridge University to study science. That's like a... Yeah, blah, 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 blah. yeah, yeah. Well, what, what is it? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly, yeah. So until I got... You know, until I was 30, I was trapped in that box. And it's taken it, but as soon as I opened that box up, it gave me both the healing. Ironically, it gave me both the healing I needed. Without that love, I don't think anyone can truly heal. And also gave me this access to the other part of my being, which continues to amaze me. And I say to people, listen, I can tell you, having had everything in the material world I could ever want, I can tell you none of it means a damn bit compared to the feeling of being fully attuned with with your own being and your connection to whatever you want to call the universe and all that comes from that and the sense of peace and purpose and and love and fulfillment and just fullness fullness in your body the sense that you are filled up with goodness nothing is worth nothing is worth that there's not and it's great one of the things i want to go one of the reasons why i write books and do all this stuff is to tell people you don't have to be religious to have this deep spiritual experience, but you do have to give up needing a scientific proof. 
and you shouldn't need it anyway because you can meditate and then you get the proof you know <laughs> you can exactly. dance exactly. dance yeah, like a crazy that. man crazy woman and you'll experience it you don't need science it's there every day going hello and it's important absolutely i could not agree with you more and um, speaking of boxes and the religion box is wow that is just such a big box that is constantly constantly creating yeah. us and them mm-hmm. when what you're saying and what you're explaining for me means more unity than mm-hmm. ever anything mm-hmm. that has to do with uh, religion when you talk about your journey there and the importance to let go of the old which i refer that often to the box that is no longer serving you the box that is not allowing you doesn't give you space to grow or doesn't doesn't give you freedom to speak or whatever it is that is holding you back many people ask oh i've been often i've been asked so but but that's so hard that is so difficult how do you know which step to take how do you know if that's the right step? You know, one of those common questions. I bet you get that question a lot. Well, what do you say when you think back and you see all the people that you've been helping in your work? What advice can you give people to? Well, I always like to say I don't ever give advice, but I can definitely share what has worked for me and some principles that I think are important. I'm just on that religion box. I had to burn down that box inside me. Yeah. I had to become free of it. But then I was caught in the science box and so I had to burn that one down as well. So then there was a double burning and then I was much freer. But my understanding of what to do next, basically what we're saying is what to do next? What do I do next? Yeah. Yeah. Do I do this company or this career or this girlfriend or this boyfriend or this baby? Or the... And for me, there are always two streams of information flowing into body and mind. So I want to make sure it's one thing. I don't think of there's not just mind. That's important. So the one is is data, information, research, good evidence, science. We want that stuff. It's useful. It's yeah. good. You know, I want to know whether the measles vaccine has had positive or negative impacts on children's yeah. fever and health. I want to research yeah. that. I want to know all of that before I do anything to my kids. But I have to also accept that science will only give me answers to things that, A, it's bothered to look at, be within a specific, very specific context that was paid for by somebody with a certain number of criteria. And, you know, it's not just pure knowledge. It's, it's knowledge wrapped into stuff. So that's the first bit of information. So I want to have critical understanding of science, so critical thinking. And then the second stream of information comes actually less into the mind, but more into the body, which I call intuition in my book because it's a nice word that means everything and nothing so it doesn't upset people too much for me intuition is the insight that comes from my inherent connection to all consciousness Uh that i can then interpret into language like oh i'm going to call my mom right now because i think she feels she needs me um or you know what i know the science looks good for the measles vaccine but i've got this deep sense not fear it's just a deep sense that now is not the time for my child I'm going to be yeah. unafraid to say that to the nurse when they come to you with their, oh, we must do the vaccine now. Yeah. And so those two strands are coming in and every leader, every entrepreneur, every individual has to constantly make a judgment call on those two strands. And I think we probably need to develop both of them better because a lot of us don't understand science and evidence and we don't know how to be critical. And so one of my big beliefs is understanding the philosophy and history of science is really important to understand what it is and what it isn't. And then we can also learn how to discern 
what I call instinct uh, versus intuition. I think they can feel very similar. They're often lumped under this idea of gut, my gut says. Well, actually, your gut says one thing in fear and one thing in love. I'm trying to know which is the fear message and which is the love message. It can take quite a few years, I have to be honest. But it gets easier, and then you get lots of little evidences. So, you know, uh, Jung talked about these ideas of synchronicities, meaningful correspondences. And I do believe that the more we are aligned with, not what we're meant to be doing, because there's no meant, but the more aligned with the emergence of our particular path in a fluid, flowing way, it doesn't have lots of, you know, boundaries and barriers, the more we get synchronicities going, just little bits going, don't worry, this is the right path. Yeah. So even this morning, I was looking at this workshop in June for the Association of Consciousness Studies. So it's basically the big scientific conference for consciousness studies. Yeah. I'm looking at thinking, mm, I'd like to go there. It's in Canada. I'm looking at flights. And then I speak to someone on the phone a few minutes ago. And I said, where are you, by the way? He said, I'm in London, Ontario, the very place where this consciousness thing is. You know, I could have looked at that any time of the year. Yeah. Tiny, but it's uh, for me, it's a meaningful sign that, I am flowing in, in, a, in a way that I'm not fighting, yeah. if that makes sense. I'm, I'm flowing, not fighting reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, I think, then gives you more confidence that your intuition is clearer. So you listen to it more. Yeah. And then you, it's, a self, it's a virtuous cycle of, of coherence. And that, that alone. Yeah, and what comes to my mind when you're sharing this is what is so often coming and standing in the way of so many of us is that noise that we're paying attention to when it's really about paying attention to what, who we are and what we're noticing. Yeah, it's constantly being telling us something. It's quite something. Wow, yeah. And it's very it's- quiet. That's it is what, yeah. It's, that's the thing about intuition. It's much quieter than the noise and the instinct going, ah, do that, call yeah. that client, make more money, whatever your instinct is saying. The mm. intuition is really quiet, yeah. very feminine. And it can be much subtler than I think people realize, but also much more obvious. So if you just get a sense to email someone right now, don't fight that. Just email. Email <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I have to yeah. constantly remind myself, don't. Sometimes I get this sense of, I just see something and I bring that thing with you to, I don't know, whatever it is, picking my kids up from school. And then if I don't do it, guess what I needed in that moment. And so, you know, there's constant guidance, big stuff, small stuff. And one of the other things I teach people is don't be in a rush to make a choice because the intuition choices will stay. Intuition doesn't go anywhere. It's not like it's going to give up on you. It will get louder, if anything. So don't be, if you can't, if you don't feel absolute coherence mm-hmm. even if it's not the thing you wanted to do like the ego your ego wanted you to do this thing and you don't feel it's right you're just like no then just don't act don't do anything mm-hmm. until you have a much clearer sense uh, and that can be painful because it's one of the things i talk about in the book is consciousness intuition purpose they're all the same source for me so that whole piece of us that comes into our being from within it's not very convenient for the normal world where it's about jobs and promotion and money and cool stuff. It's, it's different kind of cool. It's beautiful yeah. and nuanced and gorgeous, but it's not as obvious and it's not as easy to explain to people. And it's just, a, it's inconvenient. That's the summary, being purpose-driven is inconvenient. But that's the point. <laughs> I think it's the and I, lo- I love that. 
different kind of cool. Well, Nick, I think you're definitely a different kind of cool. <laughs> I made it. <laughs> yes. yes, you're the cool kid on the block. <laughs> and I could listen to you forever and ever. Where can our audience, where can they reach out to you? Where can they reach your books and your seminars and the things that you're doing? Great. Yeah, come and get in touch. So easiest thing to do just to, if you can't think of anything, is, is my website is called switchonnow.com. Mm-hmm. From there you can go to lots of different places, social, whatever. There's a free, lots of free stuff. There's a little button called inspiration and there's free meditations and downloads and leadership stuff and whatever. That's the easiest. I'm on all social channels. LinkedIn, if it's a kind of leadership connection, but I also write quite a lot of philosophy on Medium. Some big thoughts about everything from identity politics to whatever. And then my new book obviously is, is out recently called Spiritual Atheist. Uh, it's on Amazon and probably other places that sell yeah. books. We will put a link on that one. I'm already in the process <laughs> of starting to read it myself. So, yeah. And yeah, I'm, a, I'm out there and I'm, uh, as I, we talked about earlier, to bring it back, I am releasing more and more things that have blocked me from being more out there, which is my own stuff you know, confidence and and whatever. And I've devoted my life to this work in whatever way this universe wants me to deliver it, inconveniently or not. So yeah, I'm a open kind of, I don't know, just I'm I'm open. You're open. I love that. And I open something yeah, you're you're opening up the boxes (laughs) and you're getting rid of the the ones that are not (laughs) not serving you. And and the way that I see it, the minute that the boxes are not serving you, they're not serving humankind. They're not serving the bigger Absolutely. And that's that personal versus world. They're the same thing. If we are clearing our own trauma, we are also able there to to serve our friends, family, the local community whoever you we love that it allows the love to flow and the creativity to flow oh thank you i'm gonna leave that as your as your last word thank you nick for being so generous to share with us your deep insights highly appreciate it i'm i'm already a big fan thanks so much (laughs) thank you Was this podcast of value for you? I sure hope so. If so, feel free to share the love and give us your generous review on iTunes or Stitcher. And remember that you can always go to runamagnus.com to find out more about the changemakers and how we can help you drive the change you want to see in your world.